and welcome to Reading the Room, a psychic exploration. I am here with two very talented psychics, as always. Hello, Pamela. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Adam? I'm very good. Thank you so much. You look great. Hello, Kate. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much. How how how's the energy, guys? Is Feeling that a good? Thing? Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Positive, that? positive vibes. Positive yeah. vibes. Feeling good. Feeling good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're feeling good, uh, but we're going to talk about something where someone who feels bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that for a transition, y'all? Mm-hmm. We're talking about um, a disappearance of Nicholas Barclay today. So this is a pretty interesting case. Yes, it is. So um, the Nicholas Barkley case, for anybody who's um, never heard of it, there's actually a documentary on Netflix called The Imposter. Check it out when you have time. But we're actually going to focus on Nicholas instead of the imposter piece. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But Nicholas Barkley was a 13-year-old boy who went missing in 1994 in his hometown in Texas. The last person who had saw Nicholas was his brother, Jason. And Jason said that um, Nicholas had called on the phone and asked for a ride home while Nicholas was out playing basketball. And that's the last time that Jason had ever heard from him. Jason had told him no, because the mom was taking a nap. She worked night shift. And so he told Nicholas, walk home, see you later. But then Nicholas never came home. The family didn't find it super odd that Nicholas didn't come home because Nicholas had a history of running away. He was 13, 13 years old and he had tattoos and um, he had court the following day. Because he had, I don't remember all the details about like his legal case, but there was basically Nicholas had gotten into some legal trouble and they were going to have a court hearing the next day to see if he was going to be pulled out of the home in order to move to a home for delinquent teenagers. So the family kind of a a bad kid, kind of a bad kid. Yeah. A little bit of a street kid. So, um, His family didn't think that it was weird that he disappeared that day because they figured he didn't want to do that. Now, with Nicholas, the mother had asked the older brother, Jason, to move in to kind of handle, like get a handle on Nicholas a little bit because she was having a hard time with him. Um, But the older brother, Jason, and the mom both had their own issues. So from what I've been able to gather, there was a lot of domestic disturbances at the house, substance abuse, things like that happening in the household. So like I was saying, like when he ran away, well, what they thought he ran away when he went missing, they just thought he ran away. And so nobody really called the police for a couple of days after. And with this case, there isn't like, we've done a lot of cases about like missing people, like what time they called the police, you know, like all these little details, But with this one, it's like nobody called and then nobody asked the kids that he was playing basketball with. There's just nothing to go on with what happened with Nicholas. We had talked about was the last one where we did where the mom had called around and asked people that didn't happen in this case because Nicholas had his history with his family. That wasn't great. So three months After Nicholas went missing, his brother Jason called the police to say that 
he saw Nicholas stealing some stuff from the garage in the house. Um, but then when the police showed up, Nicholas wasn't there. And Jason said he ran away. And that's this is, this is after he was supposedly missing. disappeared. Okay. Yeah. After three months. After. That's, really, that's really interesting. Yeah. And um, so the police had opened up a missing persons case within regards to Nicholas, but there was no leads. Nicholas had $5 in his pocket when he went missing. And after that, nothing. And like his mom had said in the documentary, she's like, it wasn't really news to anybody that he went missing. It was only news to us, which was really like, it's just a moment where it's just really sad because clearly he had a lot of issues and it's just one of those things where it seemed like he just got swept under the system because it was like, well, he's just a bad kid. So ran away or whatever. So nobody really knows whatever happened to Nicholas. Um, <clears throat> the reason that it was featured in the imposter documentary was because three years later, after Nicholas had gone missing, there was um, somebody who came along claiming to be Nicholas. So I'm going to turn it over to Pam and let her tell you a little bit more about that. Okay. Well, I want to just start up with spoiler alert. If you haven't watched The Imposter, you probably need to go see uh, watch that um, before you listen to us any further if you're planning on watching it. So <clears throat> three years after he went missing, the family got a phone call that said that um, he'd been found in Spain. So uh, the family was like, that's great. And the mother was really nervous about going over there. Um, but his sister, Carrie, went over to get him. And when she went over to get him, he was all bundled up. He was acting really shy and he wasn't really talking. And um, he ended up um, going home with her. Um, but he had to prove that he was Nicholas before he was able to leave Spain. Um, but he was able to, to, to do this because his sister brought over books and showed him the pictures. I guess what we're getting, what I'm getting down to in this, is this wasn't really Nicholas. And that's what you'll find out if you watch the imposter. It was somebody who was, um, who was posing as Nicholas. Um, it was a guy named Frederick Bourdain. Frederick Bourdain was 23. He had brown eyes brown hair, a French accent, and a five o'clock shadow. Nicholas was blonde hair, blue eyes, and he was actually a pretty small kid when he went missing. Although he would have been 16 at the time, you never know how kids are going to change in that period of time. But Frederick Bourdain had a history of impersonating kids. He had impersonated throughout his years up to 500 children. 500 children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And and in the documentary, so sorry, spoiler alert again. He talks about how like he had this like horrible childhood and like he wasn't wanted from the start of his life and how he never really felt like he had an identity. And that's why he did it was because he felt like when he was in those child homes, you know, like they if 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 they don't know where to put you, they have to put you somewhere type of thing. Right. He's yeah. saying like they take care of you, you know, and it's nice to feel nice to feel taken care of. So the whole Frederick Bourdain thing is just, just like a whole other piece. And it was like 
all the documentary was about basically was about him in this Which whole. Is pre- it's actually pretty fascinating um, because they lived with him for quite a while. And he would explain, they, they were, they would say, well, your eyes are a different color. And he would say that he was kidnapped by a, pedof- a military pedophile ring that changed the color of his eyes. And you don't have an American accent anymore. And he said, well, I was brainwashed and I had to listen to tapes over and over again. You were not you. You were not you. That's what um, he recorded them as saying. Don't know how he ended up with French accent, but um, but he explained a lot of things away like this. And I guess a big question comes to: Did his family really believe it after he after they they found out that he was impersonating uh, because a private detective stepped forward? And he started to think that maybe Nicholas was a terrorist or something. So he started oh, to. Wow. Yeah. There was. Started, an, <clears throat> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to say that there was another reason that the in, like it was the missing child. And it, we talked Nash, about this, this. This National exploited and missing children. Yeah, yeah, it was them. And they had taken him to a child psychologist. And the child psychologist was the one who was like, hey, like this, there is no way that this is Nicholas Barkley because he has a French accent. And when kids are developing, there's no way that if you were born in an American that you would ever develop a French accent because of the way that your brain develops language. So the doctor yeah. had told um, oh, that's mind blowing. The, mm-hmm. the woman, the woman from the National Exploited, um, Missing Exploited Children, um, told Carrie that. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, she told Carrie. She's like, I don't know who this is, but it's not your brother. So, like, the missing ex- that woman took yeah, him yeah. away, took him to the doctor, called her on the phone, and was like, Hey, this isn't your brother. I don't know who this is, but he's not your brother. And when they came back to Texas, Carrie was there to pick him up and pretended she never even that woman to this told, woman about it. Yeah. This this woman told him, Don't come to, we don't expect this to be your problem. Don't come to the airport. And she said Carrie had showed up at the airport like there was no problem at all. And she was very excited to see him. The where where the private detective, he was kind of doing his own things. And he had thought all of these things were odd, but he realized that your ears don't change and you can be identified by your ears. So he was doing like kind of a, a thing on the side where he had he was looking at ears. Um, but what it comes down to is that they figured out that he was an imposter and mm-hmm. Carrie came to pick him up anyway. And they thought that was really odd. Later on, when he is, um, they put him in, in jail for a while or de- juvenile detention where he really would like to be. Um, he ends up saying that when he first came, he didn't expect people to think he was really Nicholas and that um, they seemed to accept him. Except the mother got drunk one night and said, You are. Um, you are my punishment for what happened. And oh, then, I, I never heard that. Yeah, it's it's in there. And oh. then also his brother hadn't been around. The brother had been living Jason. with him. Yeah, Jason. Jason, Jason they said it was um, had a very um, sharp temper and that he could go from zero to 10 really quickly. But you know what? That's cocaine does that to you anyway. And alcohol. Yeah. So um 
so Nicholas thought that probably his brother killed him and he told the authorities that. You mean Frederick thought that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Frederick thought that. And so um, he ended up. Uh, Can I just stop you for a second and to say why? Sure, go ahead. Because when Frederick posing as Nicholas went back to Texas and was living there because there was a time where they all kind of lived there in harmony or whatever. Jason came to visit and he looked at him and he just said, like, looked him up and down and was like, hmm, shook his hand and was like, good luck and left. And Frederick was like, he knew I wasn't Nicholas. Like he knew, he knew like Frederick goes on at the end of the documentary to talk about how Jason knew. And um, back to you, Pam. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously um, it all came out that it wasn't him. And I think that um, Katie had picked this case because um, the imposter movie is very, very good, but the, problem is that we felt like kind of Nicholas kind of got lost in the whole thing like what happened to him they never went and did any interviews like with the police who would have had to investigate but he just seemed like he was a very throwaway kid his mom was on heroin he got in trouble for being very mouthy to his teachers um and he had I think it was beyond mouthy I think that he hit the teachers I think that he was potentially violent or mouthy with with authorities including the police and so he was kind of headed down a bad road quickly he'd give himself a bunch of tattoos and um so um he was definitely uh headed in in a a bad direction so what the theory was is that maybe when he called for his ride home that during that time, something happened between him and Jason and Jason ended up killing him, potentially mom covered it up for him. So that is kind of what the, kind of what the imposter theory, um, Frederick, Frederick boarding sort of led to, that was his thought process, but it was also kind of the thought process of the private detective and the private detective actually went back to the home they all lived in and they went around and looked to make sure there was not a body buried in the yard and they did not find one. So did Frederick's, uh, I mean, did Nicholas's sister, did she was coaching him as to what, the correct answers were to get out of France. So when she went to go get him, he was in Spain and she was really excited from the way that she tells the story. And she brought a bunch of pictures and she walked up to him and she's like, there, Oh, you look just like, like she touches nose. She's like, you look like uncle Pat. Oh my gosh. Look at you. Like hugging him really excited. And she had pictures and she's like, look, this so-and-so, do you remember them? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? And just like flashing him pictures. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Do you remember this? And then later in order for him to get an American passport, the Spanish embassy took those same pictures and put them out in front of him and had him identify people in the pictures. But because Carrie had sat there and said, remember, remember, remember prior to this test, he just passed the test on a fluke 
and he claims that she did it on purpose. Um, but I feel like I, I don't feel like she's a sinister person. And I don't think that she, I, I think it's really hard to believe anything that Frederick Bourdain has to say, cause he's a pathological liar. Who's impersonated over 500 kids. I think she was excited to have her brother back and she might've been just duped by the whole thing. I think so too. I also think that out of everybody in the imposter, she seemed like the most genuine person and genuinely confused about what was going on. And I feel like um, my opinion is she didn't really play a role in this. I feel like she was excited when she went to pick him up. Mm-hmm. So he did get one of those wrong, one of the pictures wrong, but by then they were like, Oh, he got so many, right. We're just going to let him go. Here's your, here's your expedited passport, sir. I feel like if you showed me a picture of my relatives, I would, I'd be lucky to bet 50, 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you've seen us all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who is that? Who is that? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh Don't tell me I'm related to that person. Yeah, that's Uncle Bill. No, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, a big piece of like at the end of the documentary is is like a poor Carrie, the sister, just being like super upset that like Frederick Bourdain's trying to accuse her and the family of killing Nicholas. And he's like, they killed him. Like, it's so clear that they did it. And she's just like, how dare you? Like, you're the one who came in and pulled a trick on us. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's 1997 and I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but if you're not a super educated family, you're not really going to know in 1997 that like people don't develop accents later in life like sure mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, some of those things might seem believable at that time because it's not like there was internet back then but it wasn't like it is now where it's like you know if somebody just told some sort of ridiculous story and you wanted to believe it that bad i think it would be easier to believe it back then than it is now plus like mm-hmm. i mean nowadays they have contacts so somebody really like oh these are contacts i don't know there was also a, a lot of people who, you know, dealt with him who did believe him, like the Spanish government, um, the private eye at first, the lady from the missing and exploited children. Um, like there was a lot of people who were educated who kind of bought the story too. So like not just the family, but definitely like overall for a while, he was scathing through. And the interesting part is, is that he's the reason that he got caught because the reason that the private detective noticed him was because he started going to the press with his story. If he never went to the press with his story, he would have been flying under the radar the whole time. That's how the private detective caught wind of him and kind of caught on to like what was going on. Yeah, he was really um, an attention seeker. And then after he was locked up, he um, was doing Michael Jackson impersonations and moonwalking and, and trying, and he was on like some tabloid TV shows and he just lapped up every minute of it. So they didn't really have a reason to like keep him locked up um, after a while, because like impersonating children, um, there's not, not really a crime for that. So, but they did send him, I believe to France. I believe that he was a French citizen. That's a pretty good punishment right there. Send send him to France. (laughs) Go home. (laughs) You got to go. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that leads us to our game. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yep. This week's game is called The Rain in Spain Falls Mainly on the Pain of Missing Nicholas Barclay. That's pretty good. So the big question is, what do you think happened to Nicholas Barclay? And we're going to start with you. I mean, I feel like that he was a kid that was running around and a lot of things could have happened to him. Um, because he had no supervision and when you're, you know, 12, 13, with no supervision, a lot of bad things can happen to you. However, what I think is they brought somebody in on cocaine and probably crack to help supervise him, his brother and his mother, who, who was a functional heroin addict. So that's how she, she kind of refers to herself, um, you know, she was kind of doing her own thing. And I think that, I think that his brother ended up um, going into a rage and killing him. Brother murder. Brother, brother murder. side. Yeah. Brother, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Kate, what do you think happens? I think that Nicholas had too much freedom for a 13 year old boy. And his mom had even said in the documentary, she said that, um, she didn't know what happened, but if somebody was going to offer him a ride, he would have gotten in the car. And I feel like he was living a life that was pretty dangerous for somebody who's 13 years old, unsupervised on the streets a lot. I feel like what happened to him was that something outside the house, perhaps uh, kidnapping or maybe a family friend or something that's not too different from our previous case, something like that. What do you think, Adam? Uh, I, I normally think something bad happened to these kids. This I'm going to say that he went upstate to live on a farm. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just run away. That sort of sounds happened. like, sort of sounds like what you say when a, an animal dies though. You know, old Fido, he went upstate to live on the farm. Animals never die, Pam. They just go upstate. Live on the farm. Live yeah. On the farm. Who knows? He could have run away and then just never came back. Yeah, he could be, still be out there. Yeah. Just watching the imposter going, oh, these fucking weirdos. Glad I got away, to, away from them. Yeah, I got out of that situation. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he would have came in for his 15 minutes of fame. Like most people would, like I'm right here. Hey, who I'm wants here. To give me, who wants to give me some money and interview me? So this this uh, this case sure does raise a lot of questions. Do you think you guys can provide us some answers? Yes, yes. we think so. I wanted to remind the audience that Pam and I are are both tarot card readers who use dousing pendulums in our readings. So if um, you hear some card shuffling, that's what's going on. That's us. Did I say readers? I meant listeners. Dear readers. (laughs) We're not tarot card listeners. Open up your ear eyes and watch, listen to reading. 
<laughs> oh, interesting. What are you picking up, Pam? Well, I have a card that represents line, and I have the double card. And what I'm picking up is it also shows a trip. So I'm immediately, this is carrying. Um, Frederick. So I feel like also that I'm getting, I feel like when I, we do this a lot, I end up getting the sun card mm -hmm. a lot and I have that again. So, so what I'm getting, I'll just tell you the whole thing when I'm getting, you tell me, okay, but I'll start this time. What I'm getting is somebody was lying. When I ask who this is, I get that it was Jason. I have the devil card upside down. And um, when I check to see who this is for, I get Jason. Um, and I see um, that I get the sun card too. Let me just explain that when I ask, did Jason kill Nicholas? I get yes. When I ask if his mother knew at first, I get no. When I ask if she figured it out, I get yes. When I ask if, if Carrie knew his sister, I get no. She didn't know. Does she think that now? She doesn't know what to think. So there's no, like, I don't feel like she's ever had, like, 100% proof of anything. I also feel like his brother called the police to report Nicholas stealing from the garage to just kind of prove that Nicholas was still around when he wasn't the three months after. And then um, I get somebody who always felt like things should be better than they were. And I get that as Nicholas. I also get that he's in the spirit world and I get the sun card. I get the sun card a lot with these because I immediately can, you know, get that sense of happiness from the other side with him. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm getting. I do see something with money though. So I feel like somebody didn't have a lot of money. Something happened and more money came into the picture. Was this for Jason? Yes. Did this have anything to do with Nicholas? No. Oh, maybe he was selling drugs at the time because I, I feel like um, he's going from broke to having a lot of money. So. Okay. Okay. Yes. So the first thing that I get when it comes to this, I just asked about Nicholas. So I don't have anything about Frederick because I wasn't asking about him. What I pick up with Nicholas is that there's a lot of failed relationships with the, with the family and that there's a lot of pressure to um, work out the relationships, but they never work out. So it just never goes anywhere. Um, and I feel like on some level, he felt like Nicholas felt like he was working hard to try to improve, but he just couldn't, which would make sense because he's... I don't mean to be like, he's a child, but he was a child. So he may feel like that there was a lot of pressure for him to be good, be good, be good. But you know what? Um, 
just as somebody who studies child development, I don't feel like his defiant behavior was his fault at all. It starts with the roots and the foundation and he didn't have a good foundation to start. So I feel Mm -hmm. like in some ways they blamed his behavior on him a lot, but I also feel like, um, it may not have all been his fault. No, but he, he definitely was, he felt that. Out. Yeah. yeah. And it, it kind of painted that picture with him. Um, the next thing that I pick up with this is that in the past, Nicholas and his mom were really close. And they had even said that in the documentary that like him and his mom were super close when he was younger. But then as she got into drugs more, he started acting out more, which of course he did, you know, like, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of ego issues within the family and picking up that the biggest ego in the house was Jason, that the mom felt like she trusted Jason kind of blindly with helping out with Nicholas. There was a ton of extreme arguments within the family. And a lot of the people that were living in the house, and I'm talking about the adults, cause I'm not going to accuse a child of like, I don't think it was his fault, you know, his behavior. Mm-hmm. He's a kid. Uh, A lot of the people in the house who are adults were not doing the things that they were supposed to be doing or living in a productive way. So a lot of the stuff that happened in the house was really chaotic. Mm -hmm. Last thing that I pick up is, is the last card in this points to some man that is a bully who misuses his power, who's a stern father figure and a disloyal and secretive man and when i ask is this person jason it says yes and when i ask did jason have an extreme argument with nicholas that led to his death and i pick up yes Mm -hmm. i don't pick up that nicholas ran away you know what the weird thing is i have a card that says um that Nicholas used to look and think the grass is greener over here. Like these families have it so much easier than I do. I wish I was part of their family. And that's also what Frederick Bourdain thought, you know? Mm -hmm. So in that commonality, they had it rough and and wished that they were somewhere else. And I see that that's their only commonality really, but. I don't have, I was going to say, I was going to read with you. And I don't think Carrie knows or had anything to do with it. I feel like Carrie's the one person that was in Nicholas's life who was a caring adult. Yeah. And really did care about him. And I think that's why when she did see him, that's why she smothered him so much because she, oh, this thing's going nuts. She really did care. So yeah. when you say this thing is going nuts, I can say I meant the video. pendulum. So yeah. you can't see me, but when I started talking about Carrie. And now I have to hold so, it up high so it won't go as far, but uh, so it was just definitely Nicholas, with you. Nicholas felt like Carrie was the only caring adult. And then look at how fast it's going to hit me right in the face. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like he was really let down by a lot of the adults in his life. And that's really a shame. So I think that any child that would have been in that situation would have turned out similar because he wasn't getting the tools that he needed to develop. Nope. And I feel very sad for him in his short life. Yes. Are there any questions we didn't answer? Well, we, I think, um, did he run away? No. Let me just, I want to just define this. Like, 
when he called for, did he call for a ride? Yes. Did his brother go get him? And that's, that's the difference where that's where the lie starts because I feel like his brother went to get him instead of saying that he just never showed up. His brother did pick him up. I'm also picking that up. And an argument ensued. I wonder what it was about. I wonder how he died. You want to check into that? I'm going to look and see what the argument was about. Okay. I feel like he got smothered. So you'll have to check in on that and see if that's what you think too. When I ask, what was the question I was asking? What the argument was about? What the argument was about. The the answer. So I was saying that um, when I drew a card about what was happening with the argument in the car, um, the card that I'm picking up talks about that someone needs to be cautious with somebody who makes empty promises. So I'm not sure what that was about, but that's what I'm picking up. Okay. So maybe what happened was like any teenager who wants things was like, I want this. You promised this kind of thing. I feel like in a lot of teenage arguments start with that, right. With their parents. Makes sense. Yeah. That's a kind of a common basis. Yeah. But I don't even think like, I feel like it's an argument they had had lots of times. So it was the same kind of argument. And then I feel like was, did he kill him in the car? No, I feel like the argument started in the car, but I feel like he killed him at home. I also feel like he buried the body, but not, not at that house. Yeah, any idea where the where the body might be? Let me see. Is it a known location? Is it is it somewhere that a lot of people go to? Okay. Is it okay? So I feel like it's probably in a desolate location. Probably a random pick for a place. Um, like I feel like it's fields and trees. So that's what I picked up on that. Any? Do you get any sense about uh, what he's feeling in the afterlife? Yeah, just the same thing that I always get with everybody who's in the afterlife. I get the sun card, like he's very happy. Yeah, so I think that the afterlife. Um, is where you experience a lot of pure joy. And a lot of times that I've looked at people who are murdered and stuff, they're not hanging onto that anger. They've like, okay, well, that was that story. Now I'm under this shepherd and that, you know, leaving that behind. So um, what I am getting like um, is that I feel like the mom figured it out. And I feel like, um, I feel like Jason told her. And I feel like she blames herself for, for trusting Jason so much. 
I would agree with that. Sorry, Adam. As a a heroin addict uh, parents, high functioning though you may be, uh, you probably blame yourself for a lot of the dysfunction of your family, especially if your youngest child disappears forever. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel sorry. I actually feel like, I actually feel sorry this for this family. So I mean, like Jason, obviously, like um, I don't feel too sorry for him. He also passed away. Oh, yeah. He had a drug, yeah, he had a drug overdose. Um, but what I'm, I'm, I mean, I kind of just feel sorry for everybody in this family. I feel like obviously she could have been a better, better parent. Obviously, she should have made different choices, but. I don't feel like there's any kind of punishment that that could be given to her that is less than what she puts herself through. So I don't think that she was part of burying him or anything like that. What are you getting, Kate? I was still looking at the argument. Like I was trying to figure out like, what was it about? And the reason um, what I'm picking up is, is that they were actually arguing about the card that I'm picking up means that somebody's failing exams or school or something, but I feel like they didn't really probably put a lot of emphasis on his education. And the argument was probably actually about the court case the next day and how Nicholas was probably going to get sent to this delinquent home. Jason yeah. probably said something like, you know, you're going to, you're not going to get, you know, it's not going to go well tomorrow or something. Um, yeah. And the other cards that I keep seeing are the same. Bully who misuses his power, don't trust others blindly, and be cautious with people who, who say they're going to do something nice for you. So I feel like Jason, hold on a second. I feel like Jason was intoxicated when he went to get Nicholas and he may have seemed nice on the phone when he went to pick him up. But mm-hmm. by the time that he got there, he was already intoxicated. So clearly he's not thinking right. And an argument happened. And that's what I was looking at. Okay. All right. Well, I feel like, um, I feel like that goes along with what I'm thinking too. I feel like I wanted to just check because the devil card, like, did he feel guilty about this? Jason, and I'm getting, he did. I feel like everybody was blaming. um, Everybody was blaming Nicholas. Like you're not getting good grades. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. But I mean, like they were not giving him any tools, any kind of backup, any kind of real, um, steps to be able to, to focus and do well in the ways that he needed to do well. So he, he had a lot of confusion and anger about that. Yeah. Kind of hard to do well when your family's falling apart. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid. So. Well, that's very interesting guys. You guys have any final thoughts about the, the disappearance of Nicholas Barclay? It's really sad. And uh, I, 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 uh, I'm happy that you picked up that he's happy now. 
Yeah, yeah. Let me see if he's reunited with his brother. No. Huh? I said I wouldn't want to be with him either. Yeah, just like they're, would they you? Both, well, they both died. There's a lot of forgiveness and stuff in heaven, but no, they're not together. So interesting. So I want to say, um, just uh, you know, I want to just agree with you, Katie, that the whole thing is very, very sad. And I feel like if um, Frederick Bourdain didn't come into the picture, it just would have been um, just continued to be forgotten about. I think it's pretty interesting that uh, he and his brother did not reconcile in the in the afterlife, but yeah. perhaps there was, really I don't know, maybe there's but... horrible guilt. You still feel guilt when you're dead? Yeah, maybe. let me see. I feel like his brother has a lot of work to do. I feel yeah. like um, that's what happens in the afterlife. You, you get moved on to uh, your classes. Go work on yourself. You really screwed this one up. So... So, guys, that is the 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 case of uh, Nicholas Barclay and the, his disappearance. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, do you think something different happens? Um, do you have any questions about Nicholas Barclay? Do you think maybe he's on the farm? Still holding out that he might be on the farm. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us at readingtheroompod at gmail.com. You can go to our websites. Please feel free to like, subscribe. Those things are very helpful for us. If you are looking for a reading from one of our two amazing psychics, you can um, reach them through our website. Do you have any comments? Uh, do you have any thoughts about this case? We would love to hear it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.